Our scripture reading this morning is Paul's prayer found in Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. And I invite you to hear this as a prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I don't dance to that too. Good. Oh, well. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, you didn't expect that, did you? It's, today is still Christmas in the church anyway. Uh, if you didn't know that, uh, you hopefully saw some familiar face on the screen. We just celebrated 50 years of our uh, North uh, Queen Anne, yeah, Queen Anne, North Queen Anne Child Care Center that's been here for 50 years. And hopefully you saw some familiar faces. So yeah, give those folks a hand. Um, saw some familiar faces. And I just, I've been trying to figure out when we're going to show that video. I'm like, let's just throw it up there. Um, but so somebody 50 years ago had a vision, a dream, an idea. And they began to plan and implement it, and that's what happened. And we're still going strong today. Uh, we still have a full staff. We have a long waiting list to get in. It's been a, a great center, and we continue to be a great center here in the community and uh, connecting with families in our community. I am also just wanted, so I'm thankful for our staff. Any of our, our daycare staff with us this morning? I know we have some staff here. I'm looking for Anna. Anna, are you here? Any or Sandy or anybody? I guess they needed the weekend off after we were uh, taking it off. So anyway, if you see them, please thank them for their service and helping out here. But I am so glad it's 2020. Now, this is, has nothing to do with the message today, by the way. I'm so glad it's 2020 because, you know, as a church leader, what I've been hearing for the past 20 years, 2020 vision statements. So there are no more. There are no more 2020 vision statements after this year. So they're gone, right? It's just a bad dad joke that's been going for 20 years, right? 2020 vision. But I think about this. What is vision? We, you know, I get to ask this question all the time as a pastor, like, what's your vision for the church? Or what's your vision? You know, and we all, I find that my first question sometimes is, well, what do you mean by vision? Because everybody's got a different definition of what vision is. But I want to give you an idea. What is vision? Well, vision is something we dream about. I like the definition of vision as a dream of a preferred future. You know, world vision has a vision to change the future uh, around drinking water, and that's what we heard about this morning. 
How about you? Do you ever have a vision? Do you ever have a, let me ask this question. Do you ever dream about something? What do you dream about? Like, I know one of the things we dream about, at least I dream about, or you may dream about as well, is we dream about a vacation. Anybody dream about a vacation? No, you're not dreaming about vacation? Well, then you have a vision. How many people dream about a new kitchen? Anybody new kitchen, right? Yeah, then you're, you have a vision, right? How many dream about a new house altogether? Like, I love to have a new house. Yeah, that's a dream. You are dreaming. You have a vision of a preferred future, right? And so we also have a dream for our church, right? Hopefully we all share a dream and that I have a dream, you have a dream of a future, a preferred future for our church. And we think about this, but oftentimes we think about it in what I hear in the question is, well, what, what's your dream, Matt, for the church? What's your vision for the church? And a lot of times it has to do with the building. You know, what are we going to do with the building? And just like we have dreams for our kitchens, we have dreams for our church buildings. And just like we have dreams for uh, vacations and things, we have dreams for ministries and staffing and how we'll do all these wonderful things and how we'll reach our community but I think that actually is not the question that we as church leaders and people should be asking. I don't think that's the right question. What's our vision for the church? What's your vision for the church? I think that's actually the wrong question. I think the right question is, what is God's vision for the city? That's a different question, isn't it? It's not what's God's vision for the church. It's what's God, what is God's vision for our city. What is that? And how do we discover that? You know, as I kind of glean through the scriptures, here are some things that I stumble across in my own reading of the scripture, that God's vision for the city is about establishing a kingdom here. If you read the gospels, Jesus is always talking about establishing a kingdom, that there's a king and a kingdom. This is not a democracy from a heavenly point of view, that there's an establishment of this king and kingdom and that we're invited to be a part of it. And in fact, Jesus said it's already with us. It's already in us. It's among us as followers of Jesus. And, G and God wants to see that kingdom lived out here in the city that, is, that speaks and is a light to the rest of the city. So there's this kingdom that God has a dream about. I think God also dreams about, if we look at God's dream for heaven in the future, we go to Revelation and we see this picture, this dream of a heaven where everybody, every nation, every tribe, every tongue is worshiping together with God. That's a vision. That's a dream. That's God's dream for us. That everybody, not just people here, but all around the world would be worshiping together. And then the other thing I think that God dreams about, and we again see it in the scriptures is that God actually dreams for you personally and me personally, and God's dream for us personally is that we would follow a particular way of life, a way of living that is actually good for us, that is beneficial for us, that is best for us. And, God, and Jesus describes that to us, and the letters in the New Testament describe that to us. And so God's dream is actually for us to have this way of life and living this way of life. But actually... I love this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 because I think it gets us into what God's dream is for people. And if you look at God's dream for the city, if you look at God's dream for the church, it always involves people. Not buildings, not programs, people. People. 
It's always about people. And here's the dream, the vision statement that Paul has in Ephesians chapter 3. Let's look at that prayer again, just the heart of it. See, they say every vision statement ought to have a so that in it, so that. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Do you know that that's God's dream for you today? (laughs) Do you believe it? (laughs) Do you believe that that's God's dream for you and that that is God's dream for every other person that you encounter in this city? That's God's dream for the people of our city. That's what we're called to be a part. And so the church's dream is to be aligned with God's dream and is simply a part of the vehicle that God wants to minister through and use in the city to bring about the accomplishment of this dream so that everybody would know. The vision needs to be about people. I don't think if we put that vision statement on the wall of our church, it would get much traction in the business world today, so to speak, right? It doesn't make a good vision statement, but it is a dream. It's a dream for lives of people. And I think that's our vision here at our church is that that people would grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ in their lives. And that's our dream for every person here and every person who is not yet here. That's our dream. That's our vision. And I think if you look at our vision statement, our, our mission statement, it connects to that, right? Our mission statement, uh, don't, I don't think we have it on the screen, so I'm going to quiz you because we've been talking about this for a year now, so it's quiz time. I'm going to see where we're at here on the, on the mission statement. Our mission is to what? All right, I heard some powerful words up here. I heard a little bit over there. I heard some over there. Some of you are like, I have no idea what he's talking about, and that's okay. Because <laughs> we've all, some of us have heard it more than others, and that's part of it. So let's all say this together. Our mission statement, I'm going to say it to you, and then we'll all say it together, is to love people, connect them to Jesus, and serve the world. So let's say that together. Love people, connect them to Jesus, serve the world. You got it? Could you say it again now? I, Love people, connect them to Jesus. Serve the world. Right. I meant that rhetorically, like, to the, so that you could say it, like, again, like somewhere else to somebody else, right? So that's it, right? And here's what I would say. Notice that our mission aligns with God's vision to connect people to Christ, for them to know the love of Christ, for them to grasp the love of Christ. So in a sense, our mission is a part of God's vision, and God's vision is a part of our mission. They align, they go together. And so we, whenever we think about the vision for our church, we're actually talking about things, how do we do things here at our church that will enable God's vision for our city? So really, we're just a part of God's bigger plan for the city of Seattle, and what is our role in that plan? The other thing I would say to this, because this is God's vision, is here's something that I would share with you. Ultimately, ultimately, we don't care if a person ever comes to our church. Yes, I said that. You see, our vision is not for people to come to church. Our vision is that we care most that they come to know Christ. That's God's vision for the city. And we don't care if they ever come to our church or not. 
were more concerned about their relationship to God and how they're, and so if they end up going somewhere else or being a part of another faith community, it's okay because we've actually done what we're called to do. I think about a guy named Mark. Uh, There was a men's group that we met on Saturday morning and we got up on Saturday morning and we met together and one of the guys in our group, one of the Christian men in this men's small group on Saturday morning invited his friend Mark to come to the small group. So one morning Mark shows up, he starts coming to our men's small group and Mark starts asking us questions. And we pick up intuitively right away that Mark has not, he doesn't, he's not a Christian. He, he doesn't, he has all these tough questions for us. He has all these hard questions about why is there suffering in the world? Why are there kids without clean drinking water in the world? Why is all these bad things happening in the world? He kept asking these challenging questions. I later learned that Mark was agnostic. He didn't necessarily even know that there was a God or believe in God. But he was coming to this group, and I love that this other guy in our group invited him. You know, he said, why don't you just come to our group, right? Like, he didn't ask the group permission. <laughs> he didn't ask us if this guy could come. He didn't ask us what it was, how it was going to change. The he just invited this guy that it was a friend that showed some kind of peak interest in knowing more about God. He says, why don't you just come to our small group? I love that. I'll never forget the conversation I had with Mark a few weeks into our small group. And he came to me because he learned I was the pastor and he learned that we had a church and a worship service. And he, he said to me, I think he was just kind of getting my permission or whatever, not that he needed it, but he came to me and he said, is it okay if I just come to the small group and never come to your church? And I said, absolutely, absolutely. And I said, because we're, we just want to help you in your relationship with God. And if that happens, great. If you never come to church, that's okay, right? But that's part of it, right? Do we have that kind of heart for people? Do we really have the vision, God's vision for people that says, I want you to grasp how long and high and wide and deep is the love of Christ for you? Do we have that vision? Do we share that vision for God's people? You guess who showed up in church two years later? Mark. Because that's the way it works, folks. It's not about our agenda. It's about what God wants to do in somebody else's life. And that's God's vision, and that's our vision. That's what we want to be about. So with that kind of put out there and said, I want to back up a little bit, back up the truck, so to speak. Uh, every, every year, past two years, I've done this. I've stood up here the first Sunday of the year, and I've talked about uh, what's happening in the life of our church and where we're going and ultimately, that's the heart of where we're going. That, that's what we just talked about around God's vision for the city. But I would back us up the truck. And last year, I stood here and we talked about, and I just want to remind everybody that we did talk about this. We talked about expanding worship last, first Sunday, last January. And uh, we talked about this idea of expanding worship. And what are we getting ready to do in three weeks? Expand worship. We did this, we tried this out a couple times at Easter and also Christmas Eve this year, and we actually uh, saw that those were beneficial opportunities for people. We connected more people in worship those, those times that we did that. That's our hope for this expanding worship here as we come to this. We also talked about baptisms. Uh, 
We talked about more baptisms in our church because baptisms are evidence or tangible evidence that people are connecting to Jesus. When someone is baptized, they're saying, I am going to connect my life to Jesus. I am going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to commit to this way of life now. So baptism becomes a sign to us that we're actually accomplishing our mission of connecting people to Jesus. So baptism, we said we would like to see more baptisms. We did not see more baptisms this year. We, saw, we had five the year before. We had five this year. If we add the one child baptism, we had six. So we could, we could, we could look at that, right? So we could, we could, I could spin it a little bit for you. But you get enough of that in the media. So we looked at baptisms. The other thing we talked about last year, too, is we talked about missional communities, and that that's still a need. And I still feel that that's a need for our future to be looking at mission communities. I'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. The other thing that church uh, folks look at is they look at finances, right? Like how's the financial health of a church? And I just want to pause here and say thank you for giving to the church this past year. We ended this year, our expenses, our get, your generosity met our expenses this year. And this is the first time this has happened in several years for our church. So we are financially healthy. If you want to, I heard, is that somebody clapping? Yeah, you can do that. So, so, so thank you for doing that. You have been generous. You have stepped up in a season of change and transition and been faithful in your generosity and in your giving. And so we're in a much healthier financial position than we were two, three, four years ago. So that's helpful. I would also say a couple, a couple cool things that happened. Uh, Christmas Eve, we took in $6,000 more for our global partners here. All our Christmas Eve offering went to our global missionaries around the world. I also heard that a ch one of our classes raised $7,000 by themselves to feed students at Hope University in Burundi. And so they did that. So all year long, student, they learned that students were coming to the university that did not have breakfast, did not have lunch, and so they've raised funds to feed these students throughout the year as they come to classes at Hope University. So water's not just an issue. Food is an issue as well around the world. So that's helpful for that. So those are a couple of great moments of generosity. And we've seen other things. World Vision, we did almost $29,000, $30,000 last year for that. So those are some things, significant things that we have done as a congregation. I would also say church attendance is another thing we look at. Um, church attendance has been in decline for anywhere for the, since the past five to ten years in our church. And we continue to see that this year. So the silver lining in that, because I'm a positive guy, is that this year our decline was the least it had ever been. <laughs> right? So that's a way, right? It's, it's slowed. The decline slowed. It slowed. It's smaller. So it, yes, we were in decline, but it's not as bad as it has been in years past. So maybe we're stable. I don't know. It's not all about that, though. It's about people coming to Christ. But again, I want to pause and thank you, you right here today, because you are the people that have gone through it, right? You are the people that have just, you've been here. You stayed here you didn't leave, is what I'm saying. So thank you for not leaving. <laughs> you need to, I hope you hear that. Because you're part of the faithfulness of this church. You're here, and you've stayed here, and you've been called here, and we need to just say thank you. 
And for those of you who are new to our church, thank you for coming and joining and being a part of this, right? I'm seeing some new faces around here too, and we just appreciate you as well. So thank you for being faithful. So you've been faithful in your finances, your generosity. You've been faithful in your presence, right? You've just showed up. That's half the battle. Someone told me one time, Matt, half the, half the battle in any effort or anything you do is just showing up, right? Just getting out of bed and showing up. That's half the battle. If you can just do that every day, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, if you just keep showing up, God will show up. And I remember that to this day. So thank you for continuing to show up. You know, but what we're experiencing here in Seattle and in the church is not new across the whole nation of the United States. There is decline in the church across the board. And we wring our hands and, you know, I read blogs and I read church leaders and everybody's like, you know, they're looking for like the, the silver bullet that's like killing the church, you know. Like there's something, you know, we're not doing enough for millennials. So I hear a lot about millennials. And, or, you know, sports on Sunday morning. I hear a lot of blame of sports on Sunday morning and taking kids to sports on Sunday morning and how that's disrupting church attendance. And, and then I hear about, you know, stuff in the media or stuff in politics and how that's affecting the church. And then I hear, you know, apathy or what we call affluenza. We know that as people get wealthier, they spend less time focused on their spiritual lives and religion. So we know all these things. And everybody's got their, like, magic bullet. Have you noticed that? I don't know if you are familiar with these things. Maybe I'm more familiar than you, but everybody's got their magic bullet. I would suggest to you, there's no magic bullet. It is what it is. It's a challenging time. I would say this. I think all of those are factors. And I would say this. Here's, here's my conclusion. It's just harder today than it ever has been. Let's just acknowledge it, right? It's just harder it's not simple anymore. It's not easy anymore like it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. We actually have to get to work. How many people, uh, actually, let me back, ask this question this way. How did we get here in Seattle, by the way? How did we get here as a, as a group, as a city, as a people group? How did we arrive in Seattle? What's that? on our way north, but we, how many people here came by wagon? Anyway, I'm just checking. <laughs> Nobody. Um, how many, but just by show of hands, how many people are from somewhere else? Wow. Notice that, right? We're from somewhere else, right? The reason that we're here, though, is because of a historical situation that happened. Uh, Thomas Jefferson sent the Discovery Party uh, Lewis and Clark, and I would add Zagajewia to that party, and sent them to find a navigable route across the United States to the Pacific Ocean. They thought they could do it by river, by water. So they got boats, they got canoes, because their whole frame of reference was the Appalachian Mountains, right? Think about this. And the rivers on the east. And so the Appalachian Mountains, if you've never been to the East Coast, they're kind of rolling hills. You look out here, there's no snow-capped mountains in the Appalachian, unless you go way north in the winter. So there's nothing really happening, and there are just kind of these rolling blue hills of, you know, they call them the Blue Ridge Mountains, and, and uh, they change colors in the fall, and the rivers are pretty easy to get through by boat. And so you think about that. They went across the, the, the nation in boats, and they took all this stuff with them. And everything was going pretty well for them 
until they got to the Rocky Mountains. And when they got to the Rocky Mountains, they were now looking at snow-peaked mountains, 14,000 footer, 14ers, versus the highest one I think is about 6,000 in the Appalachian. And it was coming on winter, they saw snow, but also the expanse of the Rocky Mountains is three times the width of the Appalachian chain. So think about that. Their whole frame of reference about crossing mountains and through rivers changed immediately. They saw something they had never seen before. So what did they do? Did they go home? Did they quit? No. They adapted. They let go of the boats and they got horses to cross the Rocky Mountains. They adapted to the situation. They found a way through. They went, found a way over. It was hard. It was difficult. It took more effort. But they kept going. I think about that in the church, right? It's a great metaphor for the church because the Appalachians are behind us. The easy ones are behind us. We're facing a time and a season where it's challenging, where there are big obstacles in front of us, and it seems to go on forever. But we have to decide whether we're going to go back and do what we've always been doing, or are we going to trade in our canoes for horses? Are we going to adapt to the new season ahead of us? We have to make that decision as we move ahead. So thinking about that, here's the other good news. This is something that we have that I'm not sure that the Discovery Party had. And we have this. It's in Ephesians chapter 3 as well, the end of that prayer. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What we have is a God who's able to do immeasurably more than we can imagine. Think about that. Than we can imagine ahead of us. So where are we going? What's ahead? Well, we're moving to two services. Did you know that? And part of that is an adaptation for us. We're trying to adapt to the environment. We're trying to adapt to what's in front of us. And this is not the only adaptation we need to make. So we're going to be doing that on January 26th, going to those two services, 9 and 1030. And so be aware of that. We'll have a, what we're calling spirited traditional service at 9, and we'll have what we're calling the bridge service, which is an outreach service at 1030, and will be contemporary, uh, and that will be happening. I've also been talking, we've been talking to leadership team too, that the next step after that, we're already looking further down the road, and part of what we also need to begin to look at and re-envision is how we're doing discipleship here at our church. So once we get this going up and running, our next step is to look at how we're discipling people, youth, children, adults, classes, community groups, small groups, discipleship groups, that's our next step after this as to how we're doing that. And that means taking people not just who are already Christians, but going to the marks in our world and saying to the marks in the world, come join us, be a part of our small group. Let us introduce you to what our faith and who Jesus is, and you can decide for yourself. <laughs> but we want to help people on their spiritual journeys, and we want to help people like Mark and others grow in their discipleship. We still need to be thinking about missional communities. 
When I, we use the word missional communities, we're talking about house churches, dinner churches, things of those nature that are come and see type events or places where people can connect that can just come and check out Christ or check out faith or check out what it means to be a Christian so that we create these opportunities for people. We still need to do more of those. But the bottom line is we are limited by another resource, not just, not just uh, finances. There's another resource that limits us, and that is leadership. Leadership. We are limited by our leadership. We will only go as far as our leaders can take us. And I don't mean Pastor Matt or the staff, but all of us together. So we all need to be leading together. We all need to be, we actually, to do these things, to fulfill our, these dreams, to fulfill these ideas, we actually need leaders. We actually need people willing to step up and say, I'll do that. I'll take charge of that. Or I'll captain the team for World Vision. That's leadership, right? That's taking leadership. So those are the types of things that we're going to need in the future. And we will go at the level and at the pace that we have leaders. And that's how fast the church can go across our mountains as we adapt. I do want to say one other thing about leadership. I wanted to say that this year, um, we're going to have an intern with us this year. Uh, we've been talking across Third Avenue with the Office of Ministry at SPU here at our church and the bishop's office have all come, bishop's office for the free Methodist have all come together to fund an internship here at our church. And that intern starts this week. And I want to introduce her. Maria, can you just stand up? Maria Garcia is going to be joining us today. So, so thank you. You had no idea I was going to say that, did you? No. I just said, hey, there's, a, there's our new intern. That's good. So we just added that to our staff this year, and we've been partnering together around that. So I want to thank you all for that. But I want to say one last thing. I know I'm out of time, and you guys are like, the Seahawks are playing today, Matt. Let's go. I heard a groan there. Whoa. <laughs> It'll be all right. Um, you know, I've been thinking, can I just ponder with you a little bit? Like, I've shared a lot, but can I just ponder with you a minute? Like, I don't have an answer to this. I kind of have an answer, but I'm not sure, so I'm pondering it. You know, as I've been in Seattle a couple years now, I'm wondering if the time, it's time for the church to stop being nice, apologetic. I don't, no, stay with me for a minute. Because I feel like we walk around, I think, or at least the, the antidote, or maybe this is the way I feel or I hear from other people, is that we walk around the city like, you know, someone finds out I'm a Christian or I'm a pastor, and like, yeah, I know, it's, it's not, I know it's not cool. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian, <laughs> you know. Like, I, I'm sorry I offended you, right? <laughs> I'm sorry if that's, a, you know, we're kind of in this apology mode, right, as a, as a Christians, as a community. And I feel like we're just trying to be nice to people, which is good. I am all for nice. I'm all for loving people. That's what we're about. And I'm not talking about becoming angry or volatile or, or any of those. I'm not suggesting that either. I'm not saying let's go out there and let, them, let the people know what we think. I'm just talking about being bolder with our faith. Just being like 
It's okay for me to be a Christian. It's okay for me to be a pastor. It's okay for you to not like that. <laughs> but I'm not going to stop being that. I'm not going to be, stop being who God called me to be just because you have a problem with it. Just because you're not okay with it. And maybe people need to see a boldness in us that we haven't had before. Maybe people need to see in us that Christ is alive and it's a joy-filled life. And we're bold about the joy of following Jesus. Are you joyful about Jesus? Is Jesus the best thing that ever happened to you? Let's act like it. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Let's just start acting like it. Let's pray together.